Hey guys, this is Nikki Marina, comedy content creator, recording artist, and actor, and you are listening to Nick Talks. Hey guys, welcome to this episode of Nick Talks with your host, Nikki Marina. Today we are talking about uh, the uh, very common naivete of mixed race people um, when it comes to racism. And this is very much based off of a lot of comments that are coming out about Meghan Markle after this interview with um, Prince Harry and Oprah. And um, and one of the things that people are fixating on is the fact that she said that she didn't really know that much about the royal family. She didn't really do her research. Um, and she was really blindsided by all of this racism that came at her. And a bunch of people are just being like, well, first of all, you should have done your research. And second of all, what the fuck did you expect? Like, did you really think that it was going to be all hunky-dory? You know, and then there's the, you know, colorism got Megan into the royal family but racism got her out and it's like how could and there's this this question of like how could you not know like how could you not see this coming and I would like to in this space if I may because it is my own space speak about just the the unique experience of being a mixed race black person and some of that naivete that may come with that because we have a very unique struggle. I am not saying that we are experiencing, we experience racism worse than dark skinned black women. I am not saying that at all. Um, but I would like to make space here to talk about my own experience as a mixed race, light skinned black woman and how I under, how I can see some of that naivete in Meghan Markle and how I kind of, I can, I can reflect and kind of see that in myself. Um, so with that, I'm just going to get into literally just my experience as a mixed race person. Um, and and you don't have to listen to this. You don't have to feel sorry for me. You don't have you don't have to boo. You can be like boo hoo. I don't care. You you have so much privilege as a light skinned person, and that is very true. I know that. But I'm going to share my story, whether or not people like it or not. Like when you are young, like when you're a little girl growing up, you are not really you're not aware of colorism very much. Uh, racism is, you know, you're just now learning about it. But I just remember all I knew as a mixed race girl was that I felt very strange. I felt like an alien. I felt like people made me feel like I was this impure mix. Like I shouldn't exist. People really, like, people really made me feel like I shouldn't exist. Um, a lot of it came from other black girls, honestly, um, that were darker than me. And, um, you know, and just, and just, I just felt, I felt weird. I felt undesirable. And of course, we, the, the older we get, we realize that, you know, the light, the more light skin you are and ambiguous you are, unfortunately, uh, apparently that makes you more desirable, which is disgusting. But when you're growing up, you don't, you don't really know that. Um, and there's always, and there's, there's just this constant confusion of what you are, um, and, and where you fit in. Um, you know, I had a father, um, a black father who unfortunately, 
instilled in me to just reject and downplay the black whatever the blackness in me um for background i have black and then my mom is she's hispanic with mostly like you know indigenous mostly indigenous and european ancestry um so black white and indigenous is my mix um and and so by my own parent my own black parent encouraged me to downplay my my blackness like to be ashamed of it um almost and and i did grow up because of those things because of how people bullied me because of the fucked up way that my father raised me i did grow up thinking that my black side was just was dirty and ugly and i just rem- i remember spending hours in front of the mirror just wetting my hair trying to brush out my curls it was it was near obsessive actually it was obsessive looking back um looking back on it now as someone with clinical anxiety i look back and on that as a sign of possible anxiety you know, a severe anxiety back then because it really was an obsessive thing. Like at, when I say hours, I mean hours in front of the mirror as a 11, 12, 13 year old girl. Um, it's, it it's weird. And then you go, you know, you go through high school and, you know, and you're, you know, you're too light skinned for the black, the black people, um, you know, you, um, or you're the white, the the white person of the the of your black group of friends or whatever and certain people they're like well I don't really see you as black I see you as Hispanic which is also problematic because the two are not mutually exclusive um and um and you kind of and eventually like being tossed between all of these identities based on how people see you all of these different definitions that people throw on you or try to throw on you you just kind of feel like this alien that doesn't belong anywhere um uh, because you don't experience because it's very true we don't experience racism in the same way that clearly non-ambiguously dark-skinned black people experience we don't but we're also not <laughs> we're also not white um and so we just we I feel like there's like a certain disorientation um that's you know that's very strange that happens and unfortunately sometimes it takes a very traumatic event to realize your blackness for all and when I say realize your blackness I mean like to be completely fully conscious of how you are perceived by the world, um, by the time you grow up. And, and like I said, I think that part of that naivete comes from all of this confusion. Um, because you've been told by a lot of people that you've been told by even black people, like you're not really black and, but you know that you're not white. (laughs) And then there's a lot of anti-blackness in the Hispanic community. So they're like, you're not Hispanic, you're black. When they see your features, that you're darker skin, that you have curly hair. You've just been told by so many people that you don't belong anywhere. And so it's really hard to latch on to a, a true sense of identity for a long time. I know that it was for me, for sure. Um, and and it and sometimes unfortunately it takes a traumatic event to realize just how you know just how your blackness is projected 
to the world and how wary you need to be. Um, and I was also, I was also taught by my father never to play the race card. Don't do that. Don't use that as an excuse to, you know, because race has nothing to do with anything. Like this is something that my black father taught me. Like, you know, don't use that as an excuse for your fucking failure and everything. And so, and so I never did for a long time. And then looking back and all the things, so many things that happened to me at the Air Force Academy, I'm like, oh my God, that was, that was racist. Like that, you know, that, that was, that was definitely rooted in racism. Um, and the reason that I, and the reason that I couldn't see that, that I was naive at the time is a, because of that confusion of what I am, because I had been told by so many black people then that I'm not really black. And then also by this coaching, this fucked up coaching from my father to never play the race card. And so I just completely blinded myself, not knowing this, but at a young age, very much blinded myself to racism because I adopted this stupid mentality that if we just don't talk about it, just don't acknowledge racism, it, racism, it just doesn't exist. And it just goes away, which we all know is fucking stupid. But... But because of but because of what I am, that naivety that naivete came to me very very um very very easily, and then I went through what I went through in the Air Force. I was harassed and stalked by this this terrible woman, this monster, this commander, and she did it to every single woman of color in my um in my unit, um, and it was so bad that. Uh, that I have, you know, I have PTSD from the experience. It got very, very dangerous. Um, and like Meghan Markle, the torture was so bad that, you know, I, I basically told my, um, I told my husband, I told my therapist, and I'm like, I just don't want to be alive anymore. I want to, I, I go to sleep every day and I wake up disappointed that I'm alive. Um, so hearing Megan say that was just like, Ooh, just really painful for me. Um, but, um, I, I went through that. I came out the other side. I now have, I now have to take medication presumably for, if not the rest of my life, a very good chunk of my life now. And, and that experience, um, made me realize that, um, Yes, I do benefit from colorism and 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 such, but in certain situations, sometimes all people see is your blackness, no matter what shade it is. And sometimes, or a lot of the time, whatever else you are is not necessarily going to be uh, considered when people are judging you and mistreating you because sometimes all they will see is your color. All you will see is your color. I never used to be a person that talked about race a lot. I really didn't because I adopted that, that, that philosophy of just like not talking about it. If I don't talk about it, it won't be a problem. So most of my life, I, I just didn't. And now, if you know me now, <laughs> I use my platform to talk about this shit all the fucking time. I literally can't shut up about it and I refuse to shut up about it because I had that awakening. Maybe it was, vi- and it was, and it was late in life. And it was later in life when I was what, 23, 24 or something like that. Um, but it took that traumatic, unfortunately, 
It took that traumatic experience to shake me awake, to wake me up to what it means to be me. And that even though I am mixed, I am a black woman. And this is, you know, this is the reality of it. And when I went, when I started going through this experience, my naivete, my naivete, basically it prevented me from, it prevented me from even registering that this was a racist attack. Um, because so much in me that had been ingrained in me was just like, no, you know, there's, you know, don't, don't play the race card, Nikki, just because you feel that it is, doesn't mean that it's really racist. Um, you're just imagining things, you're overreacting. Um, just like a lot of the things that happened to me at the air force that I blocked out. And now that I real, now I realize at age 28, like that was racist. Um, during that experience, that harassment, I did not, uh, I didn't fully register it because I had been trained not to, both by my father intentionally and also by the lifelong confusion of what am I and where do I belong and how do people really perceive me because the answer seems to be different depending on who I ask. And I'm just like, what the fuck do I do? And that experience, unfortunately, let me know that um, in uh, that very often, um, no matter what your mix is, your blackness is going to show through and it's going to threaten some people. And that is usually going to be the part that causes people to hate you and persecute you. Um, maybe, And it's not what people want to hear. Um, I, I think that, you know, mon, mostly monoracial people have probably be, you know, been aware of this for so long. And so it's very easy to say like, how could you not have known this? Like, how could you not have seen this coming? And I don't know Megan's personal background. I don't know. I mean, she is a little, she's, she's about 10 years older than me. And so, you know, it's very possible that people are like, well, you know, maybe she should have known better because she's a little older. But again, I don't know the ins and outs of her life, but I can tell you guys about mine. And I can tell you guys that for me as well as a mixed race woman, a light skinned black woman or half black woman, it took a very traumatic event for me to to have my eyes open and now be on the lookout and now be, you know, very vigilant about who I get involved with, um, you know, who, you know, <laughs> about the spaces that I'm in now, now that is something that I, that I am aware of. Experience is the best teacher. And I think a lot of you would be surprised at how long in life, some mixed race people will go with this confusion and basically miss these signs, and, you know, and don't have the, the caution that you think that they should have or you would expect them to have because they're a person of color. Um, there's a lot of nuance there. And so I um, and so I just wanted I wanted to share that because um, you know, honestly, like that's what I see. That's what I saw when I saw Megan making those remarks. Like I said, I don't know her past, but 
Um, but I can definitely sympathize. Even my friends lately, some of my white friends lately have been asking me, they're like, you never used to talk about this stuff a lot. Why are you talking about it and like race and everything being black? You, you always talk about the black part, they say. Like you always talk about the black part. Why don't you talk about your Hispanic culture? Why don't you talk about everything that you are? And I answer back. I'm like, I am, I'm, I, I love every part of who I am and what I am and, um, and the cultures that came together to make me. Um, I love it all. I really do. However, when I navigate this world as I am now, I, it is not, the world doesn't see necessarily everything I am. It doesn't see me and appreciate everything I am. When I go into the world, especially in spaces that are white dominated, I am just a black woman. I'm a light-skinned black woman, which, like I said, disgustingly means that I'll be more desired in certain you know, career feels like entertainment and stuff, which like say is blah. But regardless, when I go into the world, the world is going to see, the world sees me as a black woman and I experience it that way. And that is the part that is hated. That's the part that suppose that makes me supposedly inferior to others uh, and not just white people, but within other minority communities as well. Like the Hispanic community is super fucking bad about it. Purificando la raza, like purifying the race. There is like outright fear of children bringing home black, you know, black significant others because they don't want their children to be dark, much like the drama with the royal family. Like, you know, no matter, like, regardless of all the mixes that came together to make me. My blackness is what is always being threatened. It's what keeps me in danger. It's one is the thing that keeps me the most in danger at all times. And so because of that, and especially because of what I went through and how that opened my eyes to that, now I'm like, yeah, I'm never going to stop speaking on it. I'm never going to stop talking about it um, because I'm not as naive as I used to be because now I see things for how they are. And that's why I talk about it now. And I think that, you know, my friends understand that, but you know, they do ask because I never really talked about it before, mostly because I was told not to talk about race. And I had an incentive not to talk about it because I am mixed (laughs) and, you know, to keep on hearing where you don't belong or how you don't belong is annoying as fuck and hurtful. So I just didn't. Now I don't care. Um, I'm too tired to care. (laughs) I'm too tired to care. Um, You know, sometimes people write like essay long comments about how I am not black. And I'm just like, whatever, nigga, I'm black. Like, (laughs) you can like, whatever you can. Yeah, okay, whatever you keep your little opinion or whatever that's cute. I'm black. Shut the fuck up. Like I still go through it. It's just that the, the, the difference now is that I'm definitely more secure in who I, I I think I'm more secure in who I am. I'm more clear on my identity and I just don't give a fuck. (laughs) I don't give a fuck. But like I said, it took a traumatic, um, it took a traumatic experience in my early twenties for me to realize that, to realize 
how careful I need to be to um, to realize what red flags are there. I I wasn't I wasn't conscious to the red flags. I wasn't conscious to the red flags because I was trained to ignore them. I was. Um, I was trained by others to ignore them and also, I guess, by myself because of my confusion of what I was. Um, and um, like I said, the, you know, being mixed race, being mixed race black is a very unique experience. And for people that don't understand how Megan could not have seen all of this coming. Like I said, I don't know her life. I don't know her personally or her thought process going into this. But I can tell you about how naive I was until I went through something very, very traumatic and realized what the deal was. And now that I know better, I do better. And... um and that's just that. That's my experience as being a mixed race girl. That's my experience um, of losing that naivete. Naivete. <laughs> I keep saying that word. Naivete because of what happened to me. Because sometimes that's that's what it takes. So hopefully that was enlightening for you guys. Like I said, I take every opportunity to acknowledge colorism and the fact that dark-skinned women experience racism in a way that light-skinned mixed-race black women never could um and i'm never going to say that we experience more racism than darker-skinned women um but i will say that our experience we do experience racism and it is very and it is very unique and it also comes with a very unique identity crisis that uh, monoracially presenting or monoracial people will not, will likely never understand. And um, maybe that, maybe that will bring some clarity as to why she didn't see this coming. So hopefully you liked this episode. This has been another episode of Nick Talks. Don't forget to follow me on my social media, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at Nikki Marina, N-I-C-Q-U-E-M-A-R-I-N-A. And also on YouTube as well. Um, I'm Nikki Marina on there as well. So um, hope this was insightful. And uh, I am Nikki Marina and I will see you next time at the next episode. Bye. Hey guys, this is Nikki Marina. Thank you so much for listening to Nick Talks. If you like these free episodes, please go and become a Vibranium level patron on Patreon so that you can have full access to all episodes of Nick Talks, including some really awesome exclusive interviews with some fellow uh, people in the anime community on TikTok and such. So go to patreon.com slash Nikki Marina to check out the Vibranium tier so you can get access to all of those. But for now, enjoy these free episodes.